message entitled activating miracles activating miracles amen have you been enjoying this series that we've been doing are you learning are you growing okay how do you activate a miracle and you can apply these miracles anyhow all right but i want to give you five activities that will catapult you into the miraculous dimension now when we talk about miracles Please note, we're talking about different types of miracles. You have physical healings. And often when people talk about miracles, they're talking about healings. But there's a difference between the working of miracles and a healing. So for example, a healing is if something was sore in me and then I'm prayed for, then it's no longer sore. The working of miracles is if I had half an ear and then I'm prayed for and that ear grows. Does that make sense? Okay. But for the purpose of this, I'm including working of miracles and healings all under the same banner, miracles. Amen? So we're talking about those types of miracles. But we're also talking about promotions and new jobs, where you apply for a particular job, and on paper, you should not have received that job. On paper, you should not have received that tender. But God has promoted you and has made you a steward of great resources, and the breakthrough comes. How many of you know that that's a miracle? Amen? A miracle is something you cannot explain scientifically. Why did this thing happen? We're also talking about miracles of protection. How many of you remember a guy called Elias Letwaba? How many of you have heard of Elias Letwaba? You remember back in the day, turn of the last century, when John G. Lake came and he trained up people, right? And that's how the AFM church was actually birthed. And one of the people who really received a strong impartation from John G. Lake was this guy, Elias Letwaba, and he continued leading uh, that particular church group and doing various um, activities. But what would happen is he was known for how he would walk for miles. Do you guys understand the history, what happened in, in this, your, your very own country in those days? John G. Lake came, right, 1908. He was about 38 at the time. And he did lots of miracles, but the unique thing about his ministry is he trained up people. And so many of us today are learning from him because it's all in writing, what he used to do, what his techniques were. But then racism crept in. Now, he then went back after five years. He went back. His wife died tragically, went back to the United States, right, and did amazing things there. But what happened is after he had left, racism crept into the AFM church at the time, right? Where they would say things like, okay, black people would uh, only get baptized after white people. Then afterwards it was decided, okay, baptisms will happen separately. And this put off quite a number of the black folk and they broke off. And there were many different branches, right? And unfortunately, some of the black people who broke off ended up mixing traditional African religion into what they had been doing. And that's where ZCC actually comes from. You guys know that. But one of the guys who actually stayed on with the AFM church is Elias Letwaba. And Elias Letwaba would travel for miles and miles, praying for people, healing the sick. He, only, he died in the 50s, in the mid-50s. He died at 89 years of age. But it was a known thing that he would walk through the bush, and there were wild animals, and they wouldn't do anything to him. I mean, even though that's a miracle of divine protection. How many of you have been in situations where you're driving your vehicle, or vehicle, as they say in Texas, and what happens? You're like, I don't know how I escaped that. I don't know. I was just going on this. I don't know how this car passed me. The ministry of angels. And we're going to teach on that. Protection from angels and how angels work. 
Okay, we're going to do a whole session on that, one or two services on that, the ministry of angels. So there's protection, divine protection. My wife often tells me stories where she'll say, my love, I was on my bike and I went over a pothole and it was quite a deep one and nothing happened to me. It's like God just cushioned her through it, okay? And every day we experience these types of miracles, but often we take them for granted. So I want you to know this morning that there are different types of miracles. We've got healings. We've got financial provision. We've got promotion and breakthrough, marketplace miracles. We've got protection, divine protection. We've also got relational miracles. Amen? What are relational miracles? The very people who were your enemies start coming to you. I've had this happen to me a number of times. People who had said things against me, people who had accused me of all sorts of things, coming and actually saying, we just apologize. I don't know what I was thinking. I was proud. I was this. I was that. How many of you know that? That's a relational miracle. I've had couples come to me. I don't know what I was thinking. I was literally going to end up leaving my best friend, right? I.e. the person they were about to marry, for example. But thank you for that session we had with you. Why? There was a grace for reconciliation. That's a miracle. Amen? That's a miracle. The people who were anti-you at work are now your main champions, championing, championing your cause in the workplace. God can do that. My question is, do you have faith for that? Right? Now, your mind works like a computer. So whatever is currently in there will remain there until it is de deleted and replaced with something else, with new information. Amen? And then you'd give it a whole reboot. And you see, many of us are coming from a background where we don't have a mindset, nor do we have an expectation for a miracle. And I'm hoping that this series will help us to come to a place where in our everyday lives we're expecting the miraculous. Amen? All right. So I want to share with you five activities that will catapult you into the miraculous dimension in many different ways areas and by the way we also have academic miracles we've been praying a lot for people in terms of academic miracles amen, amen. right you were in the bottom set you were getting 40s 40 percent and now you're getting in the 80s a lady was telling me about her daughter who was studying studying civil engineering and i've told some of you this story and this daughter was actually told the parents actually were told by the teachers at high school do you know what you must celebrate when she gets 50%. Just celebrate the fact that she's got 50%. Now this girl is at varsity, she's done her third year, and so she's just passed with distinctions. And this girl was telling her mom, mom, it's the Holy Spirit. Mom, I literally say, Holy Spirit, come, let's study. Holy Spirit, lead me to the right parts to study. It was the Holy Spirit, amen? So don't have a fixed mentality when it comes to your children. That because my child is at this level, let me just accept it, they'll always be at this level. How many of you know that many people, their minds have been besieged by the enemy? Literally besieged. Where literally they can't think straight, they can't study accurately, they can't retain any information. Amen? Pray over your minds, pray over your memories. If you're the kind of person who keeps forgetting things, pray, lay hands on yourself and say, God, I've been given the mind of Christ and I'm going to walk in that. Amen? So what do miracle workers do differently? Five things. Number one, they have shifted from theoretical knowledge to practical demonstration of power. There's something that rises up in you that says, I, I'm tired of just theory. 
Just because I've read a book about it and heard other people's testimonies about it does not mean I'm walking in it. I want to see the word in action. How many of you are desperate for that? I was reading up on John G. Lake and he was so hungry for this. He would walk and in the streets, he would literally just be crying out to God and people be looking, thinking, surely you must just be satisfied with the fact that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. But he knew that there was more. He knew that there was more. Sometimes he would be about to eat and then he just loses his appetite and he ends up going on a six day fast, okay? Just, it was, how many of you know that when you sometimes just lose your appetite and don't feel like eating, it could be a God-initiated fast. It could be a God-initiated fast where you are there and it's not like you're disciplining yourself to say, oh, I need to fast, right? But you're literally just like, I need to seek God. I can't even touch food. And you go into your closet and you begin to seek his face. My question is, how badly do you want it? How many of you are tired of being exposed to the theory and you now want to see real Christianity demonstrated? How many of you are feeling me on this this morning, right? James chapter 1 verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. How many of you know that you can come to church but you're deceiving yourself? Because you think you're there just because you've been hearing the word. Huh? You think you've arrived just because you've read all the books and the testimonies about other people, but nothing is happening in your life. It says here, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now, sometimes we look at this and we interpret it only on which angle? Only to do with moral issues. Oh, I mustn't just listen to the word. I must actually do it. So I must be a nice moral person. How many of you know that it's not limited to just morality? It's basically saying, don't just hear the word that is saying, go and heal the sick. Do it. Are you following this morning? Don't just hear the word that says, believers shall raise the dead. Go and do it. Don't just hear the word that says, you will, um, you, you will touch a serpent and not get hurt. No, do it. Demonstrate the power of God. Let's not just be hearers of the word. Let's be doers of it. Hebrews 5 verse 14 says, but solid food is for the mature. How do you become mature? It goes on to say, who by constant use have trained themselves. How do we train ourselves in righteousness? Constant, constant use of the word. Don't just read the word, use the word. Amen? Amen? Don't just hear the word, do the word. Amen? Maturity comes through using the word of God. So that's the first thing. Number two, they've learned to guard the anointing. They've learned to do what? They've learned to guard the anointing. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, it says, As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. This is a very powerful statement, ladies and gentlemen. It says here, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. Remains where? In you. What is the anointing? The anointing is God's power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit to do mighty exploits in your life. So the anointing remains in you. 
Now watch this. It says, so remain in him. The anointing remains on me, but I'm being instructed in scripture. This is the condition. I must remain in him. I must do the things that attract the Holy Spirit. I must find out what they are and do them more and more. I spoke about this last week. I must figure out what are the things in my life that grieves the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that offense grieves the Holy Spirit? How many of you know that being offended and not forgiving and being full of anger and bitterness actually grieves the Holy Spirit? There are things that will short-circuit the anointing in your life. How many of you know that striving in your own strength short-circuits the power of God in your life? Amen? So I find it interesting because here we also see that the Holy Spirit can teach you. It says in the scripture that the anointing teaches you about all things. Some of you should be claiming this right now. That when you're sitting in that exam, that the anointing can teach you about some things. No, all things. That when you're in that boardroom giving that presentation, the anointing can teach you about some things. No, all things. Amen? All things. In the Greek, all is all. Amen. I want the Holy Spirit, the anointing, to teach me about all things. So the Holy Spirit can teach you. And this is actually what happens when you get revelation. Don't you love it when you're reading the word and things jump out at you? Right? That's the Holy Spirit teaching you. Isn't that wonderful? Okay? Remain in him. That's how you guard the anointing. Remain in him. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit through offense or pride or any other deed of the flesh. And you know, you see it happening when we're praying for people. When we're praying for people, you come up and we're praying and so on. There are things some people do that actually short-circuit the anointing. You see, when you come up for prayer, your posture should be a posture to receive from heaven. That's actually not the time for you now to be doing your breakthrough prayer. So sometimes I'm praying for someone and I want things to flow. And the attitude should be, I want to just receive. So just relax and receive. It's not your time now to be like, very often that actually short circuits the anointing. Amen? But some of you who are performance oriented, you come and you are striving. And you're like, oh, I must do something. Relax. It's freely yours. Are you following? It's freely yours. So you must know, when is it a time for me to be interceding and breaking through in my prayers? And when is it a time for me to just be in receiving mode? Amen. So we must guard the anointing. Sometimes you'll come to a service and you're about to minister. And I'm about to minister and um, the Lord is like, no, don't talk to that person. It's guarding the anointing. I mean, you know that sometimes the enemy can actually send someone to you before a service and that person always drains you. Or you see a phone call from that particular individual and you know, I mustn't, I mustn't answer it. Why? I must guard the anointing. Amen? I must guard the anointing. Right? Number three, they exercise authority over darkness. One of the things that happened in John G. Lake's life is he found that when he came to Africa for those five years, the healings that he was experiencing were proliferated, right? There were many more than he had experienced in the past. And he wrote a letter to the guys in the States and he told them what was shifting gears. And he says, you know what? We're finding that we're no longer spending a lot of time interceding for the sick, but we're now dealing with demons of infirmity and we're actually casting them out. Amen? 
I think some of you have seen what's shifted in this church. And I think you've seen that very often when we're laying hands on the sick, it's no longer just the prayer of faith in terms of bringing about healing, but there's a lot of rebuking of spirits of infirmity. Amen? And it's important. What used to happen to me was sometimes I would literally, I'll be in intercession mode, then I literally see a weapon, like a weapon of war. And that was a sign that the Lord was saying, I don't want you to be interceding. I actually want you to be commanding this demon to leave. And we started seeing more results when that happened. Amen? So you must know, when is the time for you to intercede? When is the time for you to rebuke a spirit of infirmity and take authority? I want to encourage you, gentlemen, over your house. You're a priest over your house. Amen? Amen. Take authority. Don't Make sure it's not just your wife who's the prayer warrior. Rise up as a watchman and begin to rebuke the things that are in your house. Don't just accept that, ah, it's that time of the year, my kids are sick. It's that time of the year. All you're doing is you're agreeing with the enemy. Who says we always have to get sick during winter? What's normal for everyone else doesn't have to be normal for you. The blood of Jesus, like we heard earlier on, is extremely powerful, even in winter. Amen? Doesn't change because of the seasons. So there are things we are refusing. So they exercise their authority over darkness. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And we know what the Son of God went around doing. He was healing the sick. He was casting out demons. What was he doing? He was destroying the work of the enemy. And I believe that if we want to see more miracles in our lives, we must hate what the enemy is doing. And we must be out to destroy it. Amen? Must be out to destroy it. Number four. They see the miraculous as a good thing central to the ministry of Jesus. You see, some people doubt the moment you start talking about miracles. Some people think, oh, they're miracles. It must be a dubious church. But guys, miracles are good things. Say to the person next to you, a miracle is a good thing. When that person comes up and they're healed from whatever disease it is, you might think, oh, it was just sinus. Oh, it was just a sore back. For that person, that healing has changed their lives forever and saved them a lot of money forever. All those physio bills that they have, no more anymore because of the healing. Amen? That surgery they need to have, no more because of the power of God. Amen? So miracles are good things. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Same anointing as he anoints you and me today. And how he went around. What did he go around doing? Doing good. Jesus went around doing good. What did the doing good look like? It says, and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. What will happen when God manifests himself in your life? When God is with you, you will go around healing the sick. Casting out demons, doing good. Amen? Amen? And very often that's what people need. You think that your main need is that loan from the bank. That's not your main need. Amen? Sometimes the main need we have is our deliverance, our freedom from the works of darkness. Okay? That's our main need very often. Maybe your main need right now is the spirit of poverty to be broken off you. Maybe that's your main need. 
How many of you know that when you're walking in the favor of God, divine favor, people can take away everything. They can strip you of all your assets. But what do you do? You just bounce back. Why? Because you have the source. Amen? You have the source. Some of you are so afraid of losing your job right now. Some of you are so afraid of changing jobs. You know you should change jobs, but you're like, you know what? Better the devil I know. And you're staying there, but God has been telling you you must move on. I'm speaking to someone, right? And you know what ends up happening? It's because you don't trust that even if they take away my job, I can get an even better one. Why? Because I have the source of promotion. Amen? God is your source of promotion. The Bible is very clear. Scriptures are very clear that it is God who raises up one and puts down another. God does that. If you truly believe that God is your source, it doesn't matter. Someone once told us some years ago, never stay in a business that you can't walk away from. Never do what? Never stay in a business that you can't walk away from. Why? Sometimes we hold on to these things as if they were so precious and they become idols, they become high places in our lives. You see, it's an everyday thing. It's not something that is reserved. Miracles are not reserved for that special weekend miracle service. When we talk about Jesus' personal brand, when we talk about it was a lifestyle thing. It says, you know, this is what Jesus did. He just went about doing good. Delivering people who are under the oppression of the devil. That's what he did every day, day in, day out. It wasn't like, oh, he's waiting for that, for that ignite service. That's when miracles happen. I want to encourage you, expect a miracle every day. Amen? Amen. Expect a miracle every day. Number five, the fifth thing that these people do, the fifth thing that miracle workers do, they are covenantal people who know what belongs to them. They're covenantal people. What's a covenant? It's just a big word for an agreement. They're covenantal people who know what belongs to them. My question to you is, do you know what you carry? Do you know what your covenant right is? Do you know what legally belongs to you? One of the things about John G. Lake, who I'm showcasing today, is he had a revelation of what he carried. He really um, brought about very strongly during that time, the time of the Pentecostal revival in, in the 1900s, early 1900s, that understanding to the body of Christ that you know what? Christ is in you. You're a God carrier. This is your new identity. Isn't that powerful? All right? And we need to know that we're covenantal people and we need to know what belongs to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 to 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 to 14. What we have received is not the spirit of the world. Say to the person next to you, I haven't received the spirit of the world. But the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Do you, know, do you know what the Holy Spirit does? When you receive the Holy Spirit, can you see what you're also receiving? The Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you have a revelation that you know what? I am born of God. I'm not an ordinary person. I'm an ordinary person with a supernatural God living in the inside of me. And guys, when you tap into that, it's what we call the new creation reality. When you tap into that, 
everything in your life will change. Everything. You will walk into meetings and you'll be saying things in the natural, but you'll be wearing a mantle that reconciles people, where people who were enemies at work in a team now become friends. Amen. Amen. You will walk in that authority. You will refuse certain things because your identity now is, but we're not like that. How many of you, how many of you have ever wondered why that rich kid at school who was in the fourth set or third set was not that smart, who didn't even receive an inheritance from his parents because their business failed, but you see them today and they're prospering. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Do you know why that is? Because very often their self-concept, their identity is, I'm a wealthy person. So when the wealth goes away, they're like, there's a bit of a problem here and we need to fix it. You will always live out your self-concept. You'll always live out how you're seen. Are you feeling me this morning? You'll always live out how you see yourself. If I believe I'm a cow, when you go and have lunch later on, I will go and I'll look for grass to eat. Why? My self-concept is I'm a cow. Amen? You will live out how you see yourself so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Matthew 10 verse 8 says, Heal the sick. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples, eh? Not just the 12, the broader group. He says, guys, heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. He's saying the same thing to you today. See, sometimes some of you have come from church backgrounds where you believed, oh, that's the pastor's job. It's like that today. We've taught on spiritual gifts so much, but there's still that mentality, hey, pastor, this one is for you. Eh, it's for you. Who said? Who said it's for me? Why are we doing this series? We're doing this series so that every single person in this room walks in the power of God, so that we break that mindset that, oh, no, they're priests, the clergy, and then the laity. That's not biblical. We're a priesthood of believers, and we can all do this. Amen? We can all do this. I know some, some pastors like being mysterious. Then you ask them, how did you do that? My brother, when you're ready, I'll teach you. <laughs> but how did you do that? There are levels. <laughs> right? No. We want to be hearing testimonies, not testimonies just from when we pray and we have a healing line at the end of the service. We want people to be coming and saying, this is what happened during the course of the week. I laid hands on this person and look what happened. Amen? I prayed for this person in my small group and look, he's now got a job. Amen? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, but then how does he close it off? Freely you have received. Freely give. This is so powerful. When you've got this mindset that it's been given to you freely, you won't charge for it. You know, some people are into the whole thing of like, the bigger the miracle you want, then the bigger your offering. In the UK, my brother was, my brother was telling me, and it's quite funny because um, there's a particular ministry, I won't mention the name, but you phone the ministry. Let's say it's John Smith. Hello, John Smith Ministries. And the person says, hey, yeah, my pastor, my husband, my husband has left me and so on. Ma'am, do you tithe? Yes, you know, I sometimes give to my church. No, do you, do you give to John Smith Ministries? You get what I'm saying? Okay, well, let's receive your tithe, let's receive your offering, and then come and you'll get your husband back, right? So we've got a lot of that happening in the body of Christ. 
Now, let me, let me explain this. Giving is good. Giving is a very powerful point of contact in terms of your faith, but you don't pay for the anointing. Amen. Do you remember what happened with Peter? Right? When Simon the sorcerer came and says, can you also give me this power? Let me give you some money. Can you give me this power so that I can, I can also lay hands on the sick and, and, and lay hands on people and they'll receive the Holy Spirit? And what did Peter say? He says, you and your money be gone, for I see you've got a root of bitterness in you. I can see it in you. And the guy says, oh, please, may all these things you've said not happen to me. Amen? Freely you have received. You see, the moment you think it's not for free, you become proud. And you start telling everyone, this is what I did to get to that level of anointing. And you become self-righteous. And that short circuits the anointing. You see, for many of you, God is going to use you at another level. Don't give yourself the glory. I love the way these testimonies were shared this morning. Because they came and there was such a strong sense of God is so good. When Sean told me about his breakthrough, he was just praising God. I'm the one who was encouraging him to link it up with their giving and their change in those things because there's certain things that do unlock miracles. That wasn't coming from him. He is just like, God, you're so good. Your grace is so much bigger than any effort on my part. Amen? You can hear when Emily is sharing about what God is doing. She's not like, I'm so smart, you know, so I cracked the note. She's like, I just want to thank Tumiso. I just want to thank Pastor Paul. just want to thank the other guy. <laughs> Amen? When God begins to use you, give him the glory. Amen? Freely you have received, freely give. Have you truly, freely received the anointing? Or are you in striving mode? Are you like, Lord, I must just try, try so hard to be good this week. Oh, Lord, you'll never anoint me because I've been bad in my parenting this week. That's a works mentality. Oh, I was angry with my husband last week, so I don't think, God, you can anoint me. No, you go. And you ask for forgiveness, you ask for cleansing, and you just say, God, I'm yielding to you. And you begin to flow. Functioning in the anointing, there's an ease to it. Please understand that. I often have to remind myself, and I find that things begin to happen more when I'm in a mode of, Lord, I'm just yielding to you. Come and just do your thing. When you're in striving mode, you short circuit what God wants to do. Amen? All right. You see, if I believe that I've done amazing things to deserve my anointing, then it opens me up to pride. Let's have a look at an interesting passage of scripture because we want to see some of these principles in action. You know what I find amazing? When you study the anatomy of a miracle in scripture, you can then replicate it. We can actually look at certain miracles in scripture and say, what was key? To that miracle taking place and often Jesus when he would do miracles he will actually show us explicitly what the key was to the miracle can we do that okay Luke chapter 8 and I'm going to read from verse 40 to 56 Luke chapter 8 verse 40 to 56 now when Jesus returned a crowd welcomed him I mean if you love crowds if you are crowd people for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, everyone say Jairus. Will you call your son that? Hey, yo, Jai, Jairus. 
Anyway, then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at, at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. We already see a key to activating miracles there. What is it? Jairus was willing to humble himself. He was willing to be undignified. Think about it. He probably had to push through the crowd. Friends, this guy was a leader in the synagogue. This guy, his circle of friends were probably anti-Jesus. And despite that, he doesn't send one of his minions. He doesn't say, hey, dude, go and ask Jesus if he can heal my child. Remember in the Old Testament, you'd have a king who was like, uh, we don't go to you guys. Just send the prophet. He comes to us and he can do the healing. Remember that? And here we have Jairus going and throwing himself at Jesus' feet. Men in those days did not do that, let alone a leader in the synagogue. They wouldn't do that. My question to you is how desperate are you for your miracle? What are you willing to do? Sometimes what we do is we actually have words of knowledge and we call up people, but sometimes they don't come. They don't respond. Why? They're too proud. What will people think of me? If you're still at that level, my friend, you won't get your miracle because you're too dignified for a miracle. Amen? God is taking us to a place where we're not worried about how cute we are looking. You can look cute when you walk through that door, but when you're up here being prayed for, being delivered, cuteness goes away, ladies and gentlemen. Amen? Amen. We, we all do. I do. The other day, um, someone had given me a birthday voucher, Pastor Vim, and I remember going to the particular shop, and then uh, I thought, okay, these, these, here are a couple of nice shirts, and then I go into the changing room, and then I put it on, and I thought, okay, it looks really nice, but then I could see all my back fat and my flab and all of that kind of thing. And then there was this whole thing of, what do I do? It's a nice shirt, nice slim fit, you know, type of shirt. It was like a golf shirt type of thing. Do I still wear it, showing my back flab and so on? And I thought to myself, you know what? This is an encouragement for me in terms of my running that I'm now doing my running program and so on. I'll wear it, all right? What am I trying to say? That reminds me that we are all conscious about how we look and what shows and what doesn't show. And I think sometimes we're too conscious of those things. Let me say something to you. You cannot spend your life where your major mind share is on appearances and yet still walk in the miraculous. Please hear me. Dress nicely. Be dignified out there as you do your thing. But don't let your sense of dignity stop you from getting your breakthrough. When Jairus threw himself at Jesus' feet, I don't think he looked that dignified, but he was desperate for a miracle for his daughter. Amen? And what I find amazing here is he didn't whisper to Jesus, hey, Jesus, can you do this for me? He said it out loud. He wept. He was crying. He was saying, please, can you do this for me? How private are you when you make a request to God? Is it something in the corner, or is it something you're willing to come up to and say, please pray for me. And you don't mind even over the microphone if I then say, what's your problem? What's your problem? Because the healing is more likely to happen when we know and it's specific what we're targeting. Amen? Someone got that. As Jesus was on his way, 
the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there. This is like a commercial break from the Jairus situation. You know, I love the way it's just written. And a Jairus has just made a request. In the middle of his request with everything going on, this woman doesn't say, let me just wait my turn. Someone got that. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. So Jesus is being crushed by the crowds. And this miracle is taking place for this woman. She didn't say, hey, but there are too many people around Jesus. Let me just give them a chance. Otherwise, we'll crush him. She was so desperate for her miracle. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. But no one could heal her. Have you come to a place where you realize that no one else can do something for me? It's only Jesus. And I'm not just talking about healing. I'm talking about that breakthrough you need. Where you've come to a place where you're like, it's Jesus alone. I have to go to you. Right? And this is interesting. It says in verse 44, she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. So she determined how she would be healed. She didn't say, oh, let me just see how he wants to heal me. Let me wait my turn. She's the one who said up front as a point of contact for faith. She said, if I just do this, I didn't have to be touching his hem. It could have been touching his back, right? But she's the one who did that. Some of you, you want breakthrough for your business. And maybe you need to determine how the miracle is going to happen. Maybe you need to say, you know what? I'm just believing God. You know what? God led me to sow a seed, a financial seed, maybe as a thanksgiving offering to say, God, my trust is in you. That could be your point of contact for faith. Maybe it might be a sense of, you know what? God is leading me on a particular fast. I don't know what it is for you, but that becomes a point of contact for faith and your miracle takes place. Watch this. Jesus then said, who touched me? When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Knowing Peter is probably saying, this is what I mean, Jesus. We shouldn't be here. We should be closed up in some pastor's lounge somewhere so that the crowd can't touch us. Amen? But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out of me. This is a key to activating miracles. Jesus says, I know that what has gone out of me? Power. So we carry power. What is that? That's the anointing. And the anointing is there not just to chill on you. The anointing is there to flow out of you. And it's important to learn and to master what are the things that cause his power to flow out of me. Do you know that for some of you it might be singing in the spirit? How many of you have found that when you're singing in other tongues, the level of glory increases? Very often that's what happens. For some of you, it might be when you're reading the word. For some of you, it might be when you're making declarations. There are things you can do to trigger a flow of the anointing, but you must know what it is. Amen? When I'm praying for people, I've learned over the years, what are the things that will cause the flow? And sometimes it's not dignified. So sometimes we're praying and there's an impartation and there's certain sounds we make, there's certain things we do because we've learned over the years that's what releases it. And I'm willing to do it even if it sounds silly and stupid. 
and I don't care who's there, I'll do it. If they come to a church setting, probably won't do it like, you know, if I'm lecturing at a business school or something, but in a church setting, definitely. Amen? Jesus knew how to release the anointing. You are a glory dispenser. Receive that. What releases the glory of God in your life? What releases the power of God in your life? What causes the flow in your life? Don't short circuit the anointing. Verse 47. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. Can you see some keys to activating miracles? Jairus did what? Fell at Jesus' feet. This lady did what? Fell at Jesus' feet. Are you too proud to fall at Jesus' feet? In the presence of all the people, so it was public, she told why she had touched him. Now often there's a sense of shame around those things. Those are things that are usually just whispered. Amen? And how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. What healed her? Uh -huh. Your faith has healed you. And what did he call her? Called her daughter. That's covenantal language. You see, because she had been bleeding continuously, she would have been considered ceremonially unclean. Remember in the Jewish culture, she had to have stopped bleeding for seven days to then be seen as clean. And Jesus is saying, you're a daughter. That's the language of acceptance. Amen? Some of you feel like you've been rejected by God. Some of you feel like you're not an heir of this covenant. And Jesus is saying, daughter, son, you've been healed. Your faith has healed you. Let me just say something. You cannot have faith any further than your knowledge of what God's will is. You cannot have faith any further than your knowledge of what God's will is. She knew it must be God's will that I'm healed. And that's why she was desperate and she pressed through. Jairus went and made that request because he knew God's heart, and he could see it in Jesus, is to heal his daughter. If you're unsure, is healing really God's will? If you're shaky about the covenant that you have, it's very difficult for you to be in a place of faith. Amen? Verse 49, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus. So we're now back to the Jairus situation, right? The synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Sometimes we are praying for many people, and some of you have that mindset. Maybe you come from a background where you've been rejected in the past. It's like, let me not bother the pastor. Let me not bother them. There are too many people being healed. Let me not bother them. Do you feel that it's too late for you to have a miracle? Imagine what it was like for Jairus. People are coming from home. He wasn't at his house. So he's thinking, these guys must have the latest information. And they come. We've got the facts. We've seen it with our own eyes. Don't bother the teacher anymore. And the teacher was already being pressed by people. They were pressing against him. 
was going to be maybe a stampede or something like what happens in some of these stadiums. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Are there people around you who've told you it's too late for your miracle? Are there people around you who've said, you know what, just accept things the way they are. Things are not going to change. Don't bother Jesus anymore. Stop praying about this. Some of you are about to give up on certain things, and I'm telling you, now is the time to press in even deeper. Please receive this. Now is the time to press in even deeper for that miracle that you want. Amen? And what happens here, we see something so powerful. We see something so powerful. It says, verse 50, Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. Isn't Jesus so awesome? He knows that we are affected by negative words. And sometimes what happens is we hear someone's evil report and we're affected by it. It brings about fear, doesn't it? Jesus perceives this and what does he say? He basically replaces it with his own words. Are you replacing the negative report with God's words? Where people are coming to you and say, just give up on your marriage. Don't even bother trying. You married the wrong person. You know, you can be happy the rest of your life with someone else. Have you replaced those thoughts with Jesus' thoughts? You, you, know, you know the psychology of thought suppression. You don't suppress your thoughts. You displace them. You displace them with the truth. And some of you have to do that. Displace that evil report with a good report. So Jesus is so awesome because he doesn't just say, believe. He first says, do not fear. What does fear do? Fear is faith in reverse, isn't it? Fear very often stifles faith. And here we see Jesus saying, do not be afraid. Just believe and he will, she will be healed. Can you see two things that are happening? What does he say to the woman with the issue of blood? Your faith has healed you. What does he say to Jairus? Just believe and she'll be healed. All these people might not be believing. In fact, you'll look later and you see that they were actually laughing. Ah, why are you coming? She's already dead. You know that you can have 100,000 people around you, laughing at you, saying, don't bother the teacher anymore. But Jesus says, just you, just you, just believe. Just believe. Do you know that you can rescue your organization from dying, even though everyone else around you is in unbelief? But God is saying, as long as you believe, there's something I can work with. See, God works with faith. Amen? He did it with Sodom and Gomorrah. He did it when he stepped in and he used Abraham to rescue people. Just one person. Maybe you're that one in your family. God works with that. Amen? So I find it very interesting because he says this. And in verse 51, it says, When he arrived at the house of Jairus, this is amazing. He's got a crowd around him. But because Jairus came in faith and wept at Jesus' feet and made this request, Jesus is now at Jairus' house. I'm sure that Jesus can leave the crowd and come to you for your miracle. Amen? Jesus can leave the crowd and come to you. He left the crowd. The crowd did not enter into Jairus' house. Watch this. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter. That's a key to activating miracles. Are you able to block out the naysayers? Are you able to actually say, I don't want to be around these negative people. This is messing up my miracle. 
How many of you know that when we talk about good alliances, it's not just talking about, oh, you know what, avoid the people who are immoral. It's also talking about avoid the people who are faithless, the doubters, the haters. And sometimes that can be more destructive. Hanging around doubting people can be more destructive to you than people who are immoral. So you might say, I don't hang around that crowd, but your best friend is someone who's extremely negative and is actually ruining your destiny. Amen? That person is very nice, but they're in unbelief. That's the person who just says, just accept, it's fine, it's okay. That's your lot in life. Don't keep bothering Jesus about this. Just accept it. Just because your breakthrough hasn't taken place in the last three years doesn't mean it can't take place in the fourth. Amen? Amen. And I find this interesting because it says he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Five people only. Are there certain people you're letting into your life who shouldn't be there? People say, no, this is gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He accepted everyone. Now, he was great with the crowd, and people would touch him and get healed. But when he wanted this miracle to take place, he asked other people to leave. Who do you need to ask to leave? We say we want to be like Jesus. Part of being like Jesus is being able to have those boundaries. Okay, these guys are in unbelief. Uh, Peter, James, John. Uh, Thomas, no, not you. Uh, Peter, James, John. All right. Momsy, Dadsy, come in. Do you think some people were hurt? Yes. Maybe Nathaniel was there. It's like, hey, we've been screened. <laughs> Welcome to Christianity 101. Some people will feel screened by you. But they must just roll with the punches, get over themselves, move on, do their thing. Because for that miracle that you're so desperate for, sometimes it requires only two people there with you. Sometimes five people there with you. Who do you need to chase out of your life? Okay, let me put it more politely. Who do you need to ask to just stay outside? <laughs> stay out of my life. Okay? Because that song just came, it just came. All right? So what we see here, it says he did not let anyone go in with him. It's as if people were pressing to go in, right? Meanwhile, now watch this, meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. And what did Jesus say? Stop wailing. He didn't just say, let's carry on with the miracle while people are wailing outside. He created an atmosphere for the miracle. You guys stop wailing. Sometimes in our services, when I'm praying for people at the end, do you know one of the main reasons why I actually say I'm closing the meeting now? The rest of you can go. Number one is trying to honor your time so that half past 11, we can, you know, people can go. They've got other plans. But you know what the main reason is? I want the people who want to stay to be the ones who stay. Because if you're trying to do miracles, and then you've got people who are like, when is he going to finish? How long is it going to take? How many more people to pray for and so on? That's the same as, guys, stop wailing, whining, and moaning. If you're going to stay, then let's agree for a miracle. But if you're not going to be doing that, you can actually go. There's no one holding you back. Amen? That's why we do that. And what happens very often is that the miracle that then takes place towards the end, when it's just the people who want to be here, we see the glory level rising. To be honest with you, that's what we saw. I saw the glory, a few Sundays ago, the glory level was rising 
when I'd asked you guys to go. I'm just being honest. Amen? All right? So what I find interesting here, it says, meanwhile, all the people, all the people were wailing and mourning, mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. What are you calling your situation? Are you saying this is the situation or are you calling it what God is calling it? He made an announcement saying she's not dead, but she is sleeping. What are you speaking over the darkness in your life right now? Are you saying, no, 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 this is not a problem. It's just a miracle opportunity. What are you calling your situation? Amen? If you're praying for breakthrough financially, are you saying, I'm not poor, guys. I'm a, I'm a millionaire in the making. What are you calling your situation? What are you calling the darkness that you're experiencing right now? What did Jesus say here? Did he join in and start wailing? No. He said that she is not dead but asleep. Have you surrounded yourself with faithless people? Are you creating an atmosphere for miracles? Are you creating an atmosphere of faith? Are you getting rid of certain voices in your life that need to be chased out? Are you guarding the anointing? Whose report are you believing? Look at verse 53. They laughed at him. This is Jesus who's done all these miracles. He's just healed this woman with the issue of blood. But what is happening? Guys are like, <laughs> this is another level, my brother. Yes, there's an issue of blood, but <laughs> she's dead. I mean, imagine you've just lost your daughter and you've got your neighbors outside laughing about the whole deal. Now, Jesus could have reacted. How are you reacting when people laugh at you when you're saying, I want to apply for that particular tender because God has told me that I'm going to get it. And your friends mock you and your friends laugh at you. Jesus could have reacted. He could have been like, what are you guys doing? Why are you laughing at me? Huh? Don't you know I'm the son of God and you guys are paying on laughing at me? What's your problem? You chewed me rough, I, saw, I cut you smooth. And he, start, and he gets into a fight. All right? He could have reacted. And some of you are reacting because you've been mocked by people. Instead of pressing in for your miracle. It says, they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Are you pressing in for your miracle despite people mocking and laughing at you? You see, sometimes we want to keep a safe environment. So we're like, hey, I don't want to tell anyone that this is what I'm believing God for because they might laugh at me. You know why in corporate South Africa today we're teaching people on resilience? I've seen a lot of people don't have resilience. They can't cope. They can't block out the naysayers. Part of having resilience is being able to block out the naysayers. What do you do when your favorite soccer star is playing at his former home ground? What do they do to him? They boo him. Boo, boo, boo. And isn't it wonderful when you see him still dribble through everyone and score? That's resilience. Your ability to block out the naysayers. Some of you have been mocked. Some of you have been verbally abused. And it's crushing you. Rise up like Gideon. Rise up, mighty warrior. And say, daughter, get up. Press in to your miracle. Amen? Daughter, get up. Jesus was so focused. And it says, her spirit returned. Ladies and gentlemen, this person had died. A spirit had left her. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then, then Jesus told them, 
to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished. But he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. You sometimes feel like that in a movie where someone is the hero and they do an amazing thing and then they don't tell people. You're like, oh, tell them, tell them, Jesus. All right? So Jesus continued with the miracle despite their laughter. What makes you stop? For some of you, it's being mocked. For some of you, it's being judged unfairly. For some of you, it's other people's envy. You know, some people won't get up and minister because they're like, hey, my friends will be jealous and they'll think that, hey, I'm trying to promote myself in the church. It's, it's called the fear of being judged unfairly. You know the top 10 fears that women have in the workplace? It's different in terms of ranking and order to the top 10 fears men have. Find out what your fear is. One of the top fears women have in the workplace is the fear of being misunderstood, the fear of being judged unfairly. So a lot of women today aren't raising their hand and actually saying, I want that post, I want that post. Hey, because everyone will think I think I'm it. And they'll mock me if I'm rejected. Amen? What's stopping you? What's stopping you? You see, Jesus did what he saw the Father doing. How resolute are you in pursuing your miracle? He would have seen the Father doing something with regards to raising this girl from the dead. And that's his focus. Not on the laughter, not on being mocked. Amen? And I love how he refers to her as as my child. Isn't that wonderful? Covenantal language. He's basically saying, this is your covenant right. You're part of the family. You're an heir when it comes to the promises of God. Isn't it interesting how he goes to that woman with the issue of blood and he says, my daughter. Goes to this girl and says, my child, get up. That's acceptance. You see, right now, Jesus' main interest isn't just your miracle. Right now, his main interest is reconnecting relationally with you, getting into that covenant relationship. So he calls you my son. He calls you my daughter, saying, come back to me. Let's restore this connection that we once had. And the miracle is a bonus. Amen? What are you hearing Jesus saying to you today? Can you hear him say, my daughter? Or do you just feel like, no, man, I'm the prodigal. I'm so far away. Let's pray.